Lawyer X was playing a very high-risk game in that she was running with the hares and hunting with the hound. Police were basically the puppeteers. Pulling the strings. Pulling the strings. I'm Andrew Rule. Today, we're going to look at the story of a lawyer, a lawyer that we call Lawyer X because we can't reveal her name. She has been involved with many gangland figures over the years. And the story is complex, but it goes to this. Lawyer X spied on her clients and sold them out to the police. Not only that, Andrew, but she was deployed by police as an agent provocateur, setting up stings on criminals that she knew. And by way of introduction, that was Anthony Dowsley, our main man on the Lawyer X case. Anthony, what was the first time that you heard there was a story to be told? Towards the end of 2013, there'd been a series of court cases and trials, one abandoned, one partly collapsing with charges, all to do with Paul Dale, yep. a uh, alleged corrupt police officer. And there was a lot of skullduggery around that case, and there was a lot of very hurt police officers, very hurt lawyers, and obviously, most of all, a very hurt family in the Hodsons who had lost their mother and father. Yep. All these things were playing on my mind when I started to hear whispers of a particular situation in which a lawyer was more than just a witness. A lawyer was, in fact, been helping police for a very long time. A lawyer had stepped over the line and become a player. The lawyer had uh, stepped over the line because they were a very high-profile gangland defence barrister that had all of a sudden become embroiled uh, with police, and it raised my antenna. And uh, it was uh, around about uh, Christmas time, 2013, when it started to really solidify in my mind that there was a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. And many cases may have been contaminated by the use of this lawyer who was both sitting sometimes at the bar table with the defendant, but in fact may have been the person giving the most important information to police, which was actually uh, in the courtroom, protected under a mechanism, a legal mechanism known as public interest immunity. Right, and possibly at other times sitting at a bar talking to other people. There were she times might... in bars, many times in bars, and there was all sorts of stories about sexual affairs with police and crooks alike. There was a whole range of extremely large criminal cases in which this person had become involved. The person had befriended all of the big-time crooks, and we all knew that, but we didn't know to the levels, and we didn't know why, and we didn't know that they may be being stung by the person that they had trusted as their confidential lawyer. Right. What's the basis of this story? Now, our listeners will have read about this in the recent past or are going to read about it soon, but what's the short version of the story that you've written? Well, the short version is a story about whether you can stack the deck in a courtroom. And at first, the police didn't want to speak about it. It launched an IBAC inquiry that's an anti-corruption body in Victoria. That was off the back of the stories that we wrote in March 2014, a long time ago now, almost five years this has been going on, and it set off a a series of suppressions on the night we went to publish, and we had to do that old thing where you might see in the movies when you have to stop the presses, well, we actually, in fact, had to do that that night. It then rolled on and on and on. The reason we had to stop the presses on a Sunday night at around about 10 o'clock was we had informed the Victoria Police that we uh, were intending to publish and were in fact publishing this story about their secret informer, 3838, that we had labelled Lawyer X and we were going to press and it got to the senior management, the, I imagine the Chief Commissioner, lawyers at 10 paces, QCs, and we were there. We were surprised at the reaction 
and we had to come out the next day with a very sort of abbreviated or shortened version of the story. Yeah. Now, you can't give away too many trade secrets. None of us can. But can you give us some idea of the process by which you came by the information, the sort of people you might have met and the sort of places where you might have met them? All these things often happen in pubs. Sometimes they happen in coffee shops, offices, legal chambers, and, and all of those were true in this case. What's the first thing you remember? What's the earliest time? I had a clue that this might have happened just through the period of time. And then there was some talk about a, an affair between a, a very senior officer and the subject matter and uh, that person's early exit. Some, they were all rumours. Police liked to gossip. They were trying to work out why this person had suddenly left. There was rumour of, 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 a, of a police officer having a child with lawyer um, that was all a big secret. None of that happened to be true. That officer, in fact, did leave in circumstances which is not that clear, but it all resulted in me asking questions and having some idea that the particular lawyer had far much too involvement with police that would have been comfortable for her clients and sort of a seeping whisper about whether that lawyer was an informer. Right. So she was this person, she, Lawyer X, was playing a very high-risk game in that she was running with the hares and hunting with the hounds. The highest-risk game you could play, but such was her ability to play a chess game where she was so many moves ahead that no one could match her. Do you know her well privately or know her well, well at all? I don't know her very well at all. I have met her. I only met her after the first stories were published. Do you feel that she's, A, highly intelligent, you know, even for given that she's a highly skilled lawyer and they must be intelligent by definition, yep. but that even in that context that she stands out as a perhaps a manipulator and as a, um, a tactician? Yeah, um, I'm no psychologist, but through the research, you'd find that she's a person that's pl trying to plot. Sorry, through the research we've done, yeah. I'd say she's trying to please both sides of the fence. Yeah. She's doing everything she can to be a pleaser, but at the end of the day, she's really only pleasing herself. Right. And do you feel that that is an insight into her personality, that she's a grown woman, she's highly intelligent, she's highly educated, yep. she's sophisticated. Yep. But at bottom, she was trying to please too many people. Yeah, and it comes down to who is being manipulated and who is manipulator. Yes, that old question. And it's yeah. it's difficult to work out who's ahead, but... It might change from day to day. It changes all the time. Yeah. And when you start hearing about the cases that are involved here and the potential for those cases to now collapse with many high-profile prisoners being the beneficiaries of this and possibly walking out of jail or getting very reduced jail sentences, yeah. it'll dawn on the public soon the seriousness of, of the dangerous game that Victoria Police played right. under Simon Overland yes, and the dangerous game that this particular lawyer was playing as well. We're suggesting here, I imagine, that you're suggesting that once you tear up the rule book and play a sort of an espionage game, um, it's like something out of a Le Carre novel that you're in fairly dangerous waters when you're trying to run the society under the rule of law. Well, this case has gone all the way to the High Court and it has involved government department versus government department in the end. Yes. And it, the rulings will come down sooner or later that the legal fraternity 
believe that you cannot play by these rules that Victoria Police decided to do to end the gangland war and more. Was it a long process putting together the series of stories that that you did, a remarkable series of stories, but time passes and memories fade? Just revisit for us uh, the stories that you did. Well, you have a, um, a back knowledge of the cases that have transpired, such as the the deaths or murders of Terence and Christine Hodson, yeah. which is unsolved, but it is believed it could have been at the hands of corrupt police. Yeah, could have been caused by. Caused by, by corrupt yeah, police yeah. who may have ordered it, mm. and Carl Williams, uh, who may have been the middleman, and, and a hitman named Rod Collins, who's now dead, as yeah. Carl Williams. Yeah. And Are they a great loss to society? Well, I think in some ways Terence Hodson had informed on corrupt police. Carl Williams was informing on corrupt police. Um, so at the end of the day, their deaths are regrettable yeah. because they, they could were valuable have, commodity. They were valuable. For the rest of us. That's right. Yeah, they were useful. And did it take you long to put it all together over, over time? I think it took me six months to get to the first article mm. of hearing bits and pieces and figuring out the jigsaw puzzle. But after that, it became quite clear. I knew how many information reports, which is police intelligence reports, had been filed by police informer 3838. Mm. Um, I knew how many contact visits there were. I knew what she was basically informing on. One of the things that she was doing was putting client against client, and that was at the behest of police. So police were basically the puppeteers. Pulling the strings. Pulling the strings. But then again, who was pulling whose strings? Because some of this information would get back to the criminals and there was double agent stuff going on, triple agent stuff. Did Lawyer X go into hiding? And if so, can you tell us a bit about that at all without revealing too much, of course? There's been several times Lawyer X has gone into hiding, but Lawyer X has always wanted to keep Lawyer X's name being her real name, which is important to her. Right. She's extremely difficult to handle for police. There's been civil court writs and right. payouts right. about the handling of her, and it is just, a, I guess, a living problem that they continue to deal with. And is it fair to say that here is a person with a strong personality? Yes. Highly intelligent? Yes. Highly motivated? Absolutely strong in her own defence, mm -hmm. and as such, a different kettle of fish from a lot of the sort of people that police deal with. Mostly they're dealing with people that they would regard as, you know, second-rate citizens, and they stick them in a caravan or a cheap motel up the coast somewhere because they've managed to dob in some of their former mates, low-rent drug dealers or whatever they might be. And this one is so far from that that they don't. it's hard for them to handle it. Is that, is that a fair assumption? Yeah, it's a fair assumption because it's been a battle for them and you could be almost assured that uh, there'd be a, a whole lot of information that Lawyer X knows on very senior police officers about how she's been treated and other things that they've got up to, which she kept in her back pocket. I see. So she's always had some information up her sleeve. She knows a lot about both sides of the fence. Right. Um, I think you mentioned that she knew some high-profile criminals. Is there any chance we could mention any of those, uh, past or present, um, preferably dead or in jail? 
it'll come to uh, the courts that uh, Tiny Mockbell will be a senior figure in the gangland war and beyond that uh, was extremely close to Lawyer X. Yep. But it goes a lot further. Carl Williams, mafia figure Pat Barbaro at one point had a, quite a bit to do with her. Um, after one he, of the many Pat Barbaros. One of the many Pat Barbaros, but this one involved in importing a then world uh, largest import of ecstasy in 2007. Uh, Mockbell Associates, Mockbell's brothers, hitmen, the lot. Okay, so she really did Big have a, a rogues gallery of associates. So many of them that it, it helps preserve her her identity because um, so many different people would have known all those people. The who's who of the underworld. Who's who of the underworld. Including rogue cops. Including rogue cops. Yeah. Are there rogue cops still in Victoria? Well, the, they're no, the ones that I'm talking about are no longer in the force. Oh, I see. And hadn't been, weren't at the time. Oh, good. You don't want to name them, do you? I'll leave it for, for now. We'll oh, get right. to it later. Was there more than the Victoria Police associated with this story or were there other police forces involved? The AFP seems to be on the radar here because the AFP were um, involved in prosecutions that involved um, Lawyer X. There are secret bodies that interviewed Lawyer X during the period of time that she seemed to be doing odd things, especially around the Hudson case. They would be the two main bodies, but her name has gone uh, all around uh, the agencies in, in Australia. Was her life genuinely at risk at any particular point? Could she have been the target of a, a plot to shoot her or to blow her up or to burn her, you know, burn her apartment or a car or something? Did anything like that come undone? There were things that happened, including her house or part of her apartment, a locker being broken into. Her car was firebombed and there were threats to her life. Um, which resulted in her being pulled from very important cases as a witness. Who do you believe would have firebombed her car? Do you think it was criminals working for criminals or criminals working for bent police or bent police doing it for themselves? Well, this is an interesting question because there's a there's another one that's not in that, in that, in that was it being done on her behalf? I see. The ultimate and tri- it could triple be, suckback. It could be some or all of the above. Yeah, okay. And all this complicated by human nature because people by their nature form alliances and friendships and so on. So she's formed relationships with different people and and, uh, formed dislikes for certain people along the way. Has that affected the outcome? I'm not sure she's involved in trying to, in how she's reacting with one person at any particular time. Um, it's, It's more of a going backwards and forwards and dealing with everybody. But it is true to say that even to this day, she continues to have relationships with people that she probably shouldn't. I see. So everybody's got an agenda and no one would be sure who's going to emerge the winner. If any, are there any winners? I think everybody will end up coming out of this a bit of a loser. Including the public? Yep. The police force? Police command? Yes. You think they've been wounded by this? Yes. Well, I think the argument will be made that in the fog of war, if you want to call it, being that gangland war, um, decisions have to be made. Um, others will say that serious corners were cut, if not more, that crimes were committed in the way that they tried to get a result. Yeah. So it's going to end up with more inquiries to come, right. and they could be fairly serious ones in which police officers are questioned about their conduct, very yeah. senior ones. Yeah. 
very senior ones. And is there any chance that people who are no longer with the police force might be called to account? The chances are now that the anti-corruption body IBAC will look again into the situation. Uh, after the Herald Sun broke the stories in March 2014, IBAC, the anti-corruption body, got Murray Callum, a judge, a senior judge, to look at it. He came out with 16 recommendations. They were fairly damning of police. They were fairly damning of how the sources were handled. It was suppressed. No one could get their hands on that report. And since then, it's been a very slow process to get to this point. Is this an insight into how human nature will undo things, you know, because people form relationships, they form friendships, they form hatreds of each other, that once you start playing this dirty war, for want of a better word, that human nature being what it is, it goes from bad to worse and you end up worse off than if you'd left it alone? Well, back then I think that the gangland war was seen as a political problem and there was a lot of pressure around cleaning up the streets, making sure that the public wasn't harmed or trying to prevent the public being harmed. And of course you had the Hudson's who were police informers and witnesses by then being killed in their home under the nose of police watch. So much of it was to try their damnedest to get the results and put the criminals in jail. And that will be something that people like Simon Overland will always live by. But at, at the end of the day, the laws are the laws and you can't present what essentially might be deemed a fraud before the court. This is a version at a sophisticated level, perhaps, of what we always called noble cause corruption. You know, the the old-time police that uh, verbal people, because they knew they were guilty, you know, they, said, yep. they hit them with phone books because yep. they knew they did it, yep. and so on and so forth. Is it a version of that at a high level where they've cut corners to get a result? I think judges won't see it that way, and they haven't seen it that way. How they see it is like the casino version of events where what's being put before them, they're being lied to or they're being duped. And fairness in the the judicial system is important. And taking these tactics are seen as unfair. Right. And finally, Anthony, are there any winners from this or just just losers? There'll be no one that wins. The lawyers will win. Um, As usual. And there'll be inquiries apologies, and a whole lot of appeals. The person at the centre of it, what's her future? Has she? Will she ever be able to claw back um, her name, her, her profession, her, you know, the, the life she would have led, or is it gone? Well, from what I understand, it's gone. So we probably won't hear of her until she's quite old? Probably not. And uh, she won't be working in a high-profile profession um, anytime soon or any of that sort of thing. So, Anthony, how do our listeners find out more about this? Well, this week there's a series of stories uh, that we publish and put online about the current circumstances of this case. And you can wait and hear what happens in further podcasts. Depending on what the lawyers decide. Exactly. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman. 
a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one had been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.